0: Hey babes. So as you all know, I am pregnant. I'm just over 26 weeks and I am in the preparation mode of birth and pregnancy. And I've gone down the path of choosing my providers and I'm in it. And so I was trying to put myself in your shoes, this new mama, new mama to be you're in your early pregnancy or you are in your conception journey. And You want to know all the things, and this, to me, this episode, and the information in it, and the choices that you would make through it are probably one of the most crucial things, and that's your support. So today is for you, mama. It is to help you prepare. It's to help you get the wheels turning. It's to help, hopefully, ensure that you have a beautiful pregnancy, a beautiful birth, and that you feel supported and cared for. But before we head into the episode, I'd like to read a review of the week. And this is from KTR888 via Apple Podcasts. And she titles it five stars. So glad to have found this podcast, a ray of sunshine and down to earth with practical tips for thriving through infertility and parenthood. Thank you so much, lady. Again, you guys, as always, these reviews just brighten my day and they mean so much. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. And if you haven't left one yet, please, please do. All right. Let's head into the episode. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf. <laughs> it's mama time. Hello, my mamas and mamas-to-be. Today, I wanna talk about your support, your care providers through pregnancy, through birth, through postpartum. The entire reason that I'm recording this episode is because you only get to do this birth once. In previous episodes, we've touched on just how profound the impact of birth can have and will have on you and your partner whether it be in postpartum, lifelong, at random times in your life when you're emotionally pressed, or your next conception or birth. I wanted to create a resource for you to get the wheels turning and encourage you to explore more of what this prenatal stage your birth and postpartum might look like and reflect internally on what you want. Much of the experience will be affected by your care, your support, and the knowledge that you hold. So let's equip you. Let's ask the right questions and let's truly look inward on how we are feeling about the team that we're putting together, how prepared we are, and if we feel safe and supported to move on to each new milestone in this journey to motherhood. At the beginning of your pregnancy, especially if it's your first, you probably won't know all the different choices that you'll be making in your pregnancy, in your birth. Choices and preferences for you and your baby. You might not have opinions on all of it yet, and that's okay, that's to be expected. My hope is that this conversation propels you into that process. This episode may spark and should spark so many questions. Explore those and become empowered by this truly beautiful opportunity that we have to learn about our bodies, the birth industry, what you value, and introduce us to people involved in this experience, people that you will remember forever. While this isn't a birth plan or preferences prep episode, elements around your birth will cross over because it's impossible to disconnect at all. We're gonna cover labor and birth preferences in another episode, but today is just a jumping off point and really just to get you thinking more seriously about your dream team and also, you know, what you might ask, and then what you're going to reflect on as you're going through the interview process of picking these core providers in these support. We support people. So obviously, before you schedule any kind of appointment, after that first positive pregnancy test, you'll be deciding on your OB or your certified nurse midwife, which is a midwife that you would see at the hospital, or a licensed midwife if you're planning to have a birth center birth or home birth. Honestly, if you're just diving into birth, you may not be totally sure who you want assisting in your pregnancy, labor, and your birth. Again, that's okay. You're at the very beginning of all this and you have some time, but that's why it's important to listen to these episodes and, you know, kind of just get get things going so that you can start down that path. I'm going to be laying out some questions for you to consider and think through. Feel free to jot any of them down and you might want to take a few of them with you to your first appointment. What I want you to remember through all of this is that you can change your care providers at any time. Seriously, I've heard of women switching providers in their last days of pregnancy or while they were in labor because they simply just got to a point where they didn't feel supported and safe. So the OB that you start with doesn't have to remain if you have other options and it doesn't feel like a good fit. You can decide to switch from an OB to a licensed midwife if you learn about birth and you feel more aligned with the values and protocols and the support you'd receive through a birth center or through a home birth. You can see both. That's an option. I did this with Miles, actually. The hospital, the OBs there were actually really supportive of my, va- my birth values and my preferences And they were, of course, totally covered by insurance, but I also really wanted a home birth. And so I found value in each, and I ended up with a cesarean. I think I've mentioned this before, you know, due to Miles being breached. So it happened to work out that I had an established relationship with the doctors that delivered him. In this pregnancy right now, I've chosen a hospital and a practice birth if needed. So I know where I'm going to go if things change or if I if the baby ends up breech and my only option is to have cesarean, I know where I'm going. I think that they're probably the best fit. They're the best VBAC supportive uh, hospital um, OB that I can find in this area. However, I am still planning for a home birth. So I have come to terms that if a cesarean should be needed, I will be happy at minimum to have received the prenatal care from someone that I trusted and was comforted by and who knew me and offered support through the emotional and the like anxiety struggles that I've had along with, you know, of course, just tracking my healthy pregnancy and the baby. The truth is you guys, there is no right or wrong here. Only what feels right to you. So this can go a lot of different ways and you can, you know, bounce back and forth and you can be interviewing midwives along with OBs. You just need to find somebody that really feels good and feels safe and feels like, you know, at the end of the day, they have your true interests and your baby's interests in mind, not driven by insurance, liability, fears, money, right? And that can honestly be you guys, that can be either direction. It doesn't that doesn't mean it's always gonna be the OBs or the bad guys. I've heard stories of women who have had, you know, birth center births, and they didn't really go exactly to plan because it, it maybe wasn't the, the midwife wasn't a good fit for them. Okay. So it can happen either way. You can begin your interview process at your first appointment. You may not get all of your questions answered in this first appointment. In fact, you probably won't because especially if this is your first birth, you're going to have all the questions. <laughs> However, I do believe that if you walk into this appointment with an understanding of you know, how you want to feel and how you believe that you should be treated, you'll be off to a good start and you can begin assessing your options right away. So let me start being inquisitive here with a series of questions that I want you to ask yourself and also ask the provider. Do you feel respected? So when you walk into this appointment and when you walk out, how do you feel? What was the overall tone like? Did you feel rushed? Was there eye contact, right? Those are kind of basic things. Did they seem genuinely interested in you and your wellness? You might also gauge this as you ask questions. So what kind of answers did you receive when you asked these questions? Were they patient and responding? Did you feel justified in your inquiry or were you made to feel silly? This sounds maybe kind of ridiculous, but you'll know that sense, right? I have been in appointments or I have asked questions based on my values to ensure that I was in a good place with a good doctor at the right hospital. And I was made to feel like my questions were out of left field or they were weird or they were just so out of the ordinary for them that they responded back to me kind of like, you're crazy. So just just being aware of how they might take some of your, your views and your opinions or your questions down the line. Do they seem respectful of any already established pregnancy, labor, or birth values? And is respect enough for you? Or do you want someone who's truly on board? What I mean by that is, do they just kind of nod their heads and say, yes, whatever you want? Or you know, do they seem genuinely interested? Do they talk a little bit more about how they might go about some of these protocols or these practices that you would like to integrate? Maybe they've already had experience in them, and they'll talk about that. As you continue to navigate your values, you know, do your research and explore your options. And then, right, how do you feel about all the all the above, you know, after your subsequent appointments? So keep on that path of learning what you want in your pregnancy and in your birth and ensure that, you know, if you started out with this provider and you like them at each appointment, each subsequent appointment, be asking these questions about these things that you learn just to make sure that you're still continuing on the same page, right? You might find somebody who uh, disagrees strongly with something that you have found now to be a, a major priority or preference for you. Do they become offended by you asking questions or questioning their practices or protocols or experience? This kind of sounds like what I was talking about above. However, what I mean by this is if they tell you that there's a certain protocol that they, that just what they do, it's just what the hospital does. And you just have heard some birth stories or something where you just feel like that's not really what you want in your birth and you're trying to question them. You're trying to ask them why, right? We should be asking lots and lots of whys and they get really offended and kind of, um, potentially like I, look. I've been doing this for so long. I had this experience. Who are you to question me? That's just how we do it. You know, and again, this can be from different angles and different providers. This is not just OBs. It can be a midwife too. So just make sure that you're feeling like, They're giving you proper explanations and helping support why they believe in this protocol or this practice so much that they would be willing to defend it. Again, you will have lots of questions throughout this pregnancy. So is your care provider continuing to be patient, willing to spend time with you? Do they make you feel heard that your questions are welcomed? You know, when you leave appointments, are you confused? Do you feel silly um, for being inquisitive? Or do you feel supported? you know, ask yourself if you would trust them at your birth when you were going to be the most vulnerable. What part does fear play in the conversation with your care provider? How are potential risks broached in conversation? Do they offer statistics and clear explanations of these risks? Do they speak to their own experience with the risks? Are decisions encouraged to be made out of fear? This is a really, really big one, and I think this is something that rings true unfortunately in our in our western medicine you know industry or just world here in the US or really all, a lot of parts around the world is that fear drives everything right and you have to think about it from the provider's perspective they have they are bound a lot a lot of times by insurance but especially hospital which again comes back to insurance and also money but you know they are trained to treat and kind of prepare for the worst when majority of births are normal. So you just have to understand that if they're speaking this kind of language, let's say you really, really like them still, just make sure that, again, we're asking the why questions and we're challenging them a little bit so that you can feel more comfortable about this risk that they're wanting to weigh weigh on your birth so heavily, or they're wanting to make decisions based around. And then it's up to you to gather some more information. Do they seem nurturing? You might be anxious, you know, you might experience different types of fear along in your pregnancy. Will you get the support that you need from this provider? Labor and birth are incredibly delicate and a nurturing provider is what you, honestly, what I believe that you need in this process. So will they be that for you? Or will they be destructive, or loud or power hungry or passive? What's the vibe, babe, and how might it affect yours? Do they believe that supporting your emotional health is just as important as your physical health and checking in on on you and on baby? What kind of communication levels do you value? Are you happy with short appointments every month and access to maybe an online portal or maybe just, you know, calls in and then back from an OB's case manager, you know, or is it important for you to be able to speak with your provider outside your appointments as needed? Do you want a more personal relationship with your provider? Do you want them to be a call or a text away? And these kind of questions are, you know, might be where we start assessing your birth options, whether you want to go to a hospital and see an OB or a certified nurse midwife, or if you want to go birth center, home birth options with a licensed midwife, or if you want to do licensed midwife or a birth center for prenatal care and go to the hospital for your birth. There's differences in so many different aspects from from conception, pregnancy, all the way to delivery and in postpartum. You're going to get different care on every single different level. So it's going to be important for you to understand what that means. And communication is a big one. And it was a big one for me. I know that I really just wanted to be able to walk into an appointment, you know, the appointments I have right now, like every, every month and really get to know them and them to get to know me and be able to ask all my questions. I have a full hour and I get to bring miles too, which is really, really incredible. I think that there becomes uh, this connection of kind of this motherhood, right? So just something to think about. Do you want a home birth, a birthing center birth or a hospital? It's just some things to think about. Maybe start envisioning your birth a little bit. What do you want the environment to be like? Who do you want to be there? Do you want to chance it being an OB you've never met or nursing staff that you've never met? Do you want the, does the comfort of having, you know, the NICU in the hospital give you the most peace of mind? All of the things that you need to consider. How far is it? And how far might you be willing to travel for the right support? How far is a licensed midwife if you're wanting to do a home birth? How far are they willing to travel? um, And, you know, do you fit in that circumference? If you live in an area where you have limited options, could it be worth it for you to make a longer drive or go somewhere and you know, be, rent a hotel or an Airbnb or something? If not, then it's really, the, it's really time to start evaluating, preparing the kind of, you know, self-advocating that you feel like you'll need to be doing if you have to, I guess, resort to the limited care options that you have available to you, even if it's not something that you really, really want. Is it important for you to have a small birth team so that you can get comfortable with anyone who might assist your birth? Do you want the ability to have two support people at your birth? Is it allowed at your birth center or the hospital? You know, in this time that we're living in of COVID, this is gonna vary from situation to situation, place to place. If you're wanting a natural birth, you'll wanna know the hospital, the doctor and or the midwife's practices around gestation age, induction practices, medication use, et cetera. What are the amenities offered through each situation? you know, is a tub or a shower like a deal breaker for you? I know water just sounds incredibly dreamy and I've heard way too many birth stories of just how comforting it can be during labor. And for me, that is a deal breaker for sure. If you value and practice holistic homeopathic or Eastern medicine wellness, are your providers respectful, you know, on your choices around that? Are they respectful of your unique lifestyle and your religion? Do you want someone with a low C-section rate? Do you believe that they will give you options and choices and then respect your decisions, whatever they may be in pregnancy and in labor and birth? What kind of information, evidence, resources do they offer in discussions around your care and birth preferences? To me, this is a it's a really big indicator of the time they're willing to take with you and the backup they're willing to offer When you potentially are questioning certain protocols or practices, but, but also when you're just trying to understand just how much experience they've had, you know, if you are valuing experience of births that were unmedicated or, you know, without induction, you know, how many of those have they seen? You can start prying on questions around statistics around that. What is their, you know, what is their induction rate? What is their induction success rate? Things, things of that sort. And ask them, you know, for those numbers. If they can't give you them, then I would ask, I would press on and say, I would really love if you could get your hands on those. That's information that they really should, should readily have. Lastly, do you know what kind of role your partner wants to play? If so, is your care provider down with it? Okay, so let's talk more about the support that you're going to receive outside your care provider. What other kind of support might you need? You might start this thought process by thinking, you know, who will for sure be there? Your partner? If so, how do they handle pressure? How do you think they'll they'll react in your birth setting? Do hospitals or blood make them squeamish? What's their comfort level in regards to your birth preferences? What is their desire to act as your advocate and birth support? Some partners work really, really well as acting doulas, you know, like dad doulas, where others may really just need to the support themselves and support of another, uh, another birth partner so that they can feel comfortable during your birth and be able to focus on you, right? Especially if it's first time, you know, you're gonna know, you're gonna know, you're gonna be able to kind of, kind of figure this out, whether they're really gonna need somebody else to help or if, if you think or they're feeling confident and comfortable of, of being that person for you. If your partner won't be your acting doula, who will be? I think this is incredibly important. If you're allowed to have a second person, I think you should really consider it, especially if your partner doesn't want to be that person for you. So this could be a friend, a sister, an aunt. In the last episode with Sarah, it was her brother. When you have narrowed this down, it's good to have a conversation with your partner to ensure that it feels like it's a good fit for both of you. In order for your partner, you know, to be comfortable during labor and birth, they'll need to know this person and trust them. You might consider what kind of support this person might be throughout your prenatal journey, not just in birth. Much can come to the surface as pregnancy progresses. So do you want to be able to speak your fears around your birth or past traumas, or maybe even, you know, your partner's role, you know, through through pregnancy and If you don't believe this person can be that person, is there somebody else that can fill that role? But, you know, does your selected support person have the capacity to help you through this? Just something to consider. Does your selected support person handle well under pressure? What is their experience? Do you envision them being able to advocate for you if needed? And are they willing to do that? What will they lend you and your partner at birth? What do you envision their role to truly be? How comfortable are they in the birth setting that you've chosen? Will they be firm if needed, but also keep their cool in situations of intensity? We certainly don't need a hothead running around in our birth, closing up all of our stinkers, right? <laughs> Stalling things. It's true that the energy and how comfortable you feel truly make a difference in all of this. Are they willing to do a little research to prepare themselves to be your best support? If you don't have a support person you know that feels right and checks the boxes above in regards to your needs and vision for your prenatal care and birth, I cannot speak highly enough about hiring a doula. Doulas have a passion for supporting women in their journey to motherhood. They do. I know I've met and know many of them, and they're special, special people. They can offer care and support prenatally through birth and postpartum. They'll be the advocate that you might need. They're going to help you understand anything that's in question. They're experienced in birth, and they will help you prepare for labor, baby positioning, whether that's prior to labor or in labor. They're going to help you with natural pain management, keeping peace and calm through your labor, and honestly, be the friend that you might really, really need when things get harder than you thought that they ever could. Most doulas aren't covered by insurance, but if it's something that you know that you'll want and need, you can plan for it and budget. I was provided a list by my midwife and they ranged anywhere from 400 to 800, though this may not include postpartum doula support. I'd honestly advise you if you're thinking this is the route you want to go, to start begin searching for a doula as soon as you can. Start your interview process, find someone that you vibe with and trust and you can envision along your journey ask them and and yourself the same questions that you did above. The sooner that you can begin your relationship and build that trust, the better. I wanna share a few statistics because I think that it just shows how much of an impact doulas can have on your labor and your birth. So studies have shown that having a doula as a member of your birth team decreases the overall cesarean rate by 50%. The length of labor by 25%, the use of Pitocin by 40%, and requests for an epidural by sixty percent. You guys, those numbers are remarkable. That's a huge, that's a huge impact that they could have on your birth. Lastly, you know, if you decide to hire a doula, how is this viewed by the provider that you have selected? Are they accepting, encouraging, or you know, what kind of sense do you get from them? Do they feel like their toes are being stepped on? All right, so now I want to talk about the postpartum bit and how you can uncover what kind of support that you might need through this stage. I remember having the conversation with Cameron about postpartum support, and he initially really didn't want anyone with us after Miles was born for at least a few weeks. And it's truly a beautiful sentiment. He felt that this time was sacred and that it would be used for us to bond with baby, to figure out our routines, and just be in love as a family. However, what he didn't fully realize, and honestly, how can you until you truly experience it or have been around someone who's experienced it, is that after baby arrives, his job would end up being caring for me and mine would end up being, you know, caring for baby. But what about everything else? What about the dog? What about the house? What about the dishes, the breast pump parts, the nipple shields, greeting visitors, accepting meal train drop-offs, etc. Sure, we could probably have managed, but I think so much about how differently those early weeks might have gone if we hadn't done things the way we did. In time, we both agreed to invite my sister Alicia, who you have met on the show through our breastfeeding series she was incredibly valuable to have with us, and I thank God for it so often in those early days following Mazza's birth. The truth is, is you know, it allowed us to feel more at ease to have the help. <laughs> I believe her support allowed Cameron and I to really enjoy those days a little more fully. You know, instead of constantly being in the kitchen or doing dishes and making food, taking care of everything else. Cameron was able to enjoy this time as a new family of three in the, in the best way that you can <laughs> when you're totally sleep-deprived yourself and learning how to take care of this human. It offered us the experience that he was, you know, initially wanting. So let's talk about what those early days, after Vivi is here, <laughs> what those days will actually look like. I think there's the obvious, right? You'll be a kind of tired that you never knew existed because before... You know, now you never thought it would be possible to be able to be awake and functional at this level of sleep deprivation. If you have chosen to breastfeed, you are figuring all that out too, which is, you know, we've covered so much of that in the breastfeeding series. So if you want to dive more into that, go back episodes 27 through 33, but it can be incredibly challenging you're going to be learning about your new little being. Is their poop color normal? You might be tracking their diapers in those early days to make sure that they're peeing as they should. You're learning their cries, how to dress them, change diapers, what calms them down, all the things. You are physically recovering, whether it be a C-section or a vaginal birth. I hope for you that, you know, in those early weeks, you know, that you are able to spend lots of time just being in bed, doing skin to skin, resting and recovering with your babe. If you have a C-section, you may not have much of a choice. You might need support getting to the bathroom and you might have, you know, a whole care routine to baby that tear or that C-section incision. You have also transformed mentally and emotionally. Most moms I speak to can recall a breakdown moment in postpartum where the floodgates just open. It's almost this unconscious recognition of the weight of this new responsibility and then the loss of the, well, life before becoming a mother. It truly is possible to be so madly in love with your baby, so blissfully happy while also just being so exhausted, tapped out mentally, and overwhelmed by this transition that you can't really even put your hands on or grasp. Think about it. We were just as open as we've ever been physically and emotionally. Labor, birth, postpartum reveal, you know, never-before-felt fears, emotions, and also strength. Many of us struggle with the state of our bodies in postpartum, and we can feel deflated. Whole, but not quite whole. The truth is, you might feel even more vulnerable than you did during your birth. If you're experiencing postpartum depression, there are even more depths here. This could be the hormonal shifts, the sudden transition that we just touched on earlier, or maybe, you know, there's some surfacing birth trauma. It's a fresh event and we often relive it. This is postpartum. It's harder than expected, but also oh so beautiful. I can truly testify to the impact support had in these days. And I believe that I probably would have suffered a lot more mentally and emotionally if it weren't for the help, support, and and love given by my sister during this time. Now look, I'm not saying that the right choice for you is to have your sister or another loved one stay with you for two weeks. We lived hundreds of miles away from home. We were living in Kodiak when Miles was born. So our options, you know, look probably a little bit differently than, than yours. Or maybe they're similar. You know, maybe your parents are, um, or you have family, close family or a friend that's just minutes away. So let's explore your scenario and begin to ask yourself what kind of support you might need and discover who could be that best support person for you in your new little family. I want you to keep in mind that this person or persons might be family, a postpartum doula, friends, neighbors, could be any of these. Where you might start is with the timeline. If you have a partner, you know, what kind of time will they have off to support your birth and how long do they have? If you're a stay-at-home mom, this might not be a factor. If your partner has limited time off or no opportunity to leave, like my husband, you might think about extending it or having some extra help once they get back to work. This can mean to support people. It is no secret that your family, especially those mothers and those mother-in-laws, will want to come see baby, like, immediately. <laughs> In fact, they might be informing you of their availability during your birth and wishes to be present. However, you need to ask yourself and discuss with your spouse how this makes you feel. If the thought stresses you or makes you feel anxious, that's a pretty good indicator that they shouldn't be around during such a delicate time and that it may make more sense for them to visit, I don't know, maybe a few weeks after the baby's birth. But Maybe you have a really close friendship with one of your mothers and believe that they would be amazing support. That's beautiful. Ensure that your partner feels the same way. Again, this is their experience too, and if everyone is comfortable, it will be a positive time in your lives. If you decide otherwise, it's important to have that conversation with your family as soon as you can. Having this conversation loom over you is a stressor that you do not need, and it will also give them time to come to terms, accept, and be at peace with your decisions and the expectations that you've put forward. I know that they're hard conversations to have, but I want to remind you again, you only get this birth and this postpartum experience once. It all matters, and you should not feel guilty for making the right decision for you and your family. By the way, welcome to motherhood. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Do you have a pup? If so, will someone be watching them for a few days, coming to walk them, or does the support person that you have in mind have the energy, the ability, and the willingness to help tend to them, walk them, et cetera? If you feel your support person will be in your home for an extended period of time, do they have the energy and capacity to hang in for long nights if needed? If you intend to have someone stay with you, they will probably experience some level of tired along with you. What is their experience like? Do you believe that they will offer guidance? Do you believe that they will do so without pressing you on what they think that you should do or what they would do? Remember, you are finding yourself as a mother in these days. You might want someone with experience, but also gentle enough to allow you to have your own. Will they be understanding of the expectations that you're planning to lay out? Will they have a sense for allowing you and your partner to be sole caretakers of the baby? Will they be okay with not holding the baby all the time? This is an expectation that you might need to, to correct from the get-go. Remember that this is a crucial time for you and you know your husband to bond with baby. and all that ba- that mommy baby time, that skin to skin time will help you through postpartum emotions, depression, breastfeeding, et cetera. It's not just a preference guys. this is this is real science backing this up. You might use this information when you're explaining to your support person your feelings and your expectations around how everything will go in those days will you be able to open up to them will you feel safe expressing your thoughts and your emotions if not do you have other friends or family that will be available or you know a phone call away to help you through if needed you might need this in fact i would you know count on it know who those people might be and maybe even a conversation with them ahead of time to let them know that you'd like them to be that person if your birth didn't go to plan if you had to pivot or you know, your plan changed before or during birth, will they have the empathy around this? Because this could resurface and you might want somebody that will be or can be sensitive to that experience and, you know, how important it was to you. Are they respectful of your lifestyle? Again, this goes back to if they're an extended stay. Are they willing to turn people away, kindly greet and thank, you know, people for visits and food, et cetera, but guard the sacred time if that's what you wish? And if not, you know, will your partner play this role if they if they won't? Lastly, aside from the support person that you are intending to be there for the postpartum days, I can't express to you how important I we think it is for you to know what your options are in regards to lactation support. Will there be somebody at the hospital? Let's say that that person at the hospital, you've never met them before, and maybe it doesn't go super well, or they don't offer services at home or remotely so that you can FaceTime them. What are your other options? I think it's really good to know this ahead of time because it can be a little overwhelming when you're in the midst of everything and things are going wrong, or you're feeling just confused and overwhelmed by trying to figure it all out, knowing who that person might be, even at the hospital, if that's what you know you'll have. I think it's smart. Okay, that pretty much (laughs) sums it up. I know I threw so much at you. Okay, so one of the last things I want to tell you is that, you know, as you're preparing yourself for these questions, or as you read through these, or after after this episode, you know, you are prompted, and I hope you are, to do some research, or a lot of research. (sighs) I want you to know there's a lot of different ways to research, and... That can be other podcasts. You know, I think birth stories are incredibly valuable. I've said it, but I want to say it again because I just want it to drill into your brain. Birth stories are so, so powerful because it's such a beautiful way of educating us and it's important to hear the good and it's important to hear the bad. Again, one of my favorites is VBAC link. (laughs) I think you learn so much by that. And if you're not a great reader like me, that might be a good option. There's also tons and tons and tons of pregnancy and birth courses that you can take. And you might be able to find these just by doing a Google search or on social media via Instagram, just looking for, you know, birth support, birth education. Obviously just good old, you know, Google searches (laughs) can send you off to lots of different mom blogs, things of that sort. There's some really, really great books, of course. So there's lots of different ways that you can do it. And maybe you do a combination of all of them if you are here in this platform, I assume that you really love listening audibly, and that's how you learn. So get into it, girl. Man, just start typing in pregnancy and birth and find things that feel like a good fit. But I, again, would highly recommend the VBack link. All right, so I hope this was truly helpful and has you invested in your support. I am really, really proud of you for choosing to empower yourself with the information and for taking this experience into your own hands. Seriously, guys, I'm like hugging you from far away. So proud of you. I know I rattled off a billion questions, so I will ensure that you can find all of them on the blog post for this episode on my website so that you can be, you know, working through them or talking with your providers or your partner. And in a few episodes down the line, we will cover labor and birth choices so that you can ensure you can research and make educated and empowered choices and preferences for you and your baby. All right, guys, thank you so, so much. I love you all dearly, and we shall chat soon. Hey, mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast, and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy, and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire, and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.